Welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast, the Thinking Spatially podcast series where we think spatially across space and across time about key issues on our planet. Let's talk about the 10 most important educational benefits that GIS fosters, the 10 most important educational benefits that GIS fosters. Joseph Kursky here with you, geographer, GIS educator, GIS professional. Let's dig into this important topic. Recently, I wrote an essay about the 10 most important GIS skills that working with ArcGIS Online and other tools fosters. The 10 most important GIS skills. It's available in video form and also on the web as a blog in the ESRI community zone. These include creating expressions, symbolizing and classifying, performing spatial analysis, and more. However, working with GIS fosters far more than key and core GIS skills, as important as they are. Furthermore, GIS is not just maps. Maps help us understand patterns, relationships, and trends, but mapping is not the end goal. Right, folks? Mapping is not the end goal. Understanding is the end goal. Understanding something in a deeper, richer, more holistic way, and the smarter decisions and action that can result from that understanding. As Richard Saul Werman said, understanding precedes action. Understanding precedes action. I explore what I consider to be the 10 most important educational benefits that working with geographic information systems fosters, starting with spatial thinking. I look forward to your feedback. The top 10 educational benefits to working with GIS. Number one, spatial thinking. Maps have always been appealing. They convey a large amount of information in a small amount of space. In the past, this space was always constrained by physical media, stone tablets, wood blocks, silver plates, yes, silver plates, film and paper. Today's digital maps are all around us and increasingly embedded in dashboards, story maps, articles, video, and multimedia of all types. They are in 2D and 3D representations with the fourth dimension of time increasingly enabled through animations and space-time cubes. Spatial thinking is key to understanding our increasingly interconnected, complex world and key to understanding and solving the problems, okay, that we are facing in our world. Spatial thinking is greatly enabled by interacting with interactive maps made possible through GIS. Through GIS, students are not only consuming maps created by others, but they are creating their own maps, infographics and web mapping applications, and therefore deeply connecting with the creative process. Learning to think spatially, sometimes called graphicacy, graphicacy, is every bit as important, I contend, to teach at all levels in education as numeracy, articulacy, and literacy, as educators and scholars, scholars have argued as long ago as 1971. Spatial thinking is coupled with holistic thinking, considering the world as more than just the sum of its parts. It's also connected to seeing the world as a system of systems, the biosphere, the lithosphere, the atmosphere, the hydrosphere, the cryosphere, the ice sphere, and the anthrosphere, the human sphere. Spatial thinking also fosters the understanding of cycles, such as the carbon cycle and the hydrologic cycle. Number two, critical thinking. Critical thinking, I believe, must include three aspects. Critical thinking about data, critical thinking about methods, and critical thinking about maps. Questions to pose as you teach with GIS include, 
What difference would changing the dataset theme, resolution, or scale make in the final analysis? What difference would changing the arcade expression, for example, make in the appearance of this map and why? What difference would an erase rather than a union function make in the final sites we are considering and why? Can you trust this map to make a decision with? Is this map or layer suitable for your project? Can you trust the data that you yourself collected in the field? What are the inherent errors in data from map projections to missing attributes? And how can you manage this error? Number three, problem-based learning, problem-based learning or PBL. GIS was created to solve problems. Using GIS in education helps students frame, visualize and grapple with those problems. It even enables students to create solutions to those problems, whether it is about natural hazards, climate, urban greenways, litter, energy, social equity or inequity, or about the other complex problems and issues of our day. PBL implies active learning, active learning. And GIS is a natural fit because when using GIS, students are actively engaged as scientists, planners, and other professional decision makers. Students in PBL learn by actively engaging in real world and personally meaningful projects. Using GIS, students have flexibility to choose projects and problems that they see in their community and their world that are serious and need addressing. Number four, geographic and scientific inquiry. Geographic and scientific inquiry. Inquiry involves asking questions, gathering data, assessing the quality of that data, evaluating methods, analyzing the data and the results of the methods used, making decisions and recommendations, and taking action. This process usually sparks additional questions and the process continues. The effective use of GIS is keenly tied to the to the process of inquiry. At, this, at its core, GIS has always been a thinker's tool, as I and Charlie Fitzpatrick have often written and said. GIS requires students to ask questions. Students aren't used to asking their own questions, to be honest. They are used to instructors asking them questions. How can we encourage students to ask thoughtful questions of their own? A good map teaches you to ask a better question, as I explained in one of my essays. Asking questions leads to tenacity in problem solving and those who ask questions are those who employers want to hire to improve the efficiency of their workplaces. Number five, data fluency. In a separate essay, I made the case based on Jukes et al's book, Understanding the Digital Generation, that using GIS fosters data fluency. The book's authors prefer the word fluency over literacy because it conveys a sense of lifelong learning, which I like also, such as becoming fluent in a language. In this case, the language of technology. There are five important fluencies. Solution fluency, whole brain thinking, including creativity and problem solving applied in real time. Information fluency, the ability to access digital information sources to retrieve desired information and assess and critically evaluate the quality of information. Collaboration fluency. This teamworking proficiency is the ability to work cooperatively with virtual and real partners in an online environment to create original digital products. Creativity fluency. The process by which artistic proficiency adds meaning through design, art, and storytelling. Media fluency. The ability to look analytically at any communication media to interpret the real message. 
determine how the chosen media is being used to shape thinking, evaluate the efficacy of the message and the ability to publish original digital products to match the media to the intended message. Space in this video does not permit me to make all of the connections between these fluencies and what students do when they use GIS and geographic inquiry to grapple with problems. However, I have witnessed thousands of times over the past 20 years that students doing so engage in all five of these fluencies. The creating of story maps alone is key to creative fluency, number four, and thinking critically about maps is key to success with number five, and indeed success in many aspects of modern life. Number six, community connections. GIS is a tool used globally and on global problems such as climate, education, water, and other United Nations Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs. But it is at the same time a tool that students and educators can use to engage with issues at the local level such as planning a new bike trail, nurturing public art or community gardens, or tackling traffic accidents or graffiti. With the rise of community data portals such as ArcGIS Hub and indicators in real time of what is happening on, under, and over the planet, the student's ability to collect their own data and so on, there's no shortage of data to examine, map, and use in understanding and engaging with local issues. So community connections are key here. Number seven, field work. I contend that field work needs to include A, field methods, and B, getting outside. Field work is essential not only for understanding our changing world and our communities, but it is essential for nurturing an earth ethic in students so that they will appreciate and want to care for the marvelous planet on which we live. Successful field work involves planning, executing, and analyzing results. It is keenly tied to project planning, dealing with uncertainty, working with high-tech and low-tech methods, and dealing with data, the units that will be used, the variables, and the resulting data tables, images, geodatabases, and maps. It sometimes involves contacting others in the community for access to certain lands or to garner their support or participation. Survey123 or other SRE GIS apps can be used, but students can also use other citizen science apps such as iNaturalist, phone apps for noise or plant species, and bring the data into the ArcGIS environment for spatial analysis and further understanding. Fieldwork was an integral part, for example, of a data citizens project I was involved in. You can look that up online data citizens, where students and faculty mapped storm drains and learned about the water and sewage system of their own community. Something that people take for granted, that's, that's there, but they actually delved into why it's important and, and what can I do about water quality in my community. Field work, even if it is just on the school or university campus, involves the act of getting outside and observing, both with tech tools, like I've described here, or with one's own five senses, ideally both, five senses and the tech tools. It is a key part for overcoming nature deficit disorder, as explained by Richard Louvre in his book, Last Child in the Woods. Number eight, career pathways. When we are, are we ever going to use this after we get out of school, right? When are we ever going to actually use this when we get out of school is an oft heard phrase articulated by students. While we shouldn't use GIS in education just because it is in demand in the workplace, GIS does provide students with key career skills on their tool belt that will never go out of style. Why? In part because students who use GIS become valuable employees for nonprofit, academia, local to international government 
agencies and private industry. They are able to make decisions, work with data, and see holistically. The whys of where will always be increasingly asked in all aspects of the workplace in the coming years. We are faced with pressure on our one single planet, aren't we, for which there is no spare. There's no spare for planet Earth. Sustainability and resilience will be in every organization's plan in the future, and GIS will always have a key role. Furthermore, I have seen time and time again how students' own professional behavior rises up because they, they know that they're using a set of tools that are being used in the professional community. So they, they rise to the occasion. See the career videos that I and my colleagues have placed on online and listen to the podcast that I've created, for example, in the Geo Inspiration series in Directions Magazine of dozens of intriguing people using GIS in their day-to-day -day work. Number nine, content knowledge. For years, I and my colleagues have argued that when you're teaching and learning about GIS or with GIS, you're, you're learning more core content than I think oftentimes it's given credit for. GIS was never about buttonology, memorizing where tools and buttons are on the GIS interface and learning how to use them. Even if you are teaching and learning in a GIS or a GI science course, every procedure has real data behind it. And so you're concurrently learning about plate tectonics, uh, ecoregions, the climate, the hydrologic network, transportation, energy, city zoning, or many other aspects of our natural and human built world. GIS is core to science. GIS is core to science, social science, and many other fields. And GIS is rapidly expanding to fields outside geography, GIS, and planning, such as health, business, civil engineering, data science, history, humanities, and many others. Those fields use their own data approaches and problems. Uh, and students in those fields are learning about impacts of lifestyles and the environment upon health, supply chain management, building efficiency in energy, and a myriad of other topics in those disciplines. In both of these teaching GIS and teaching with GIS categories, I would argue that content knowledge is acquired more rapidly than memorizing large volumes or blocks of information and regurgitating it for the test because students are actively engaging with the data and methods as a practicing professional would in those fields. Number 10, students as change agents. Students as change agents. Students empowered with the skills, content knowledge, and perspectives detailed in this video and in previous videos, I, I believe they have the confidence and ability to become change agents in their future workplace. And it's not just my own belief. Let's look at the evidence out there in videos and various other places that my colleagues and I have written about over the years. They have become change agents in their workplace. I also make the case that given the examples detailed in the S3 community space over the years, such as at high schools and at community colleges, that students are already change agents in their own school or university and beyond. GIS can also serve to help young women and other underrepresented populations step into technology-based careers. Educators from primary to university level, as well as those in informal educational settings, such as museums, 4-H, and other after-school programs, love using GIS. Why? Because it embodies why they all got into education in the first place, making a positive difference in the world through caring, engaged students. Now, folks, which of these 10 benefits have you personally witnessed when teaching or learning GIS? Which of the 10 do you think will be most important during the remainder of this decade? What benefit have I left off of this list? I invite your comments. Thanks. Mm -hmm.